you know, you're saying from these microdoses, I've gained so much. And I'm sitting here like, damn, I had to be doing between five and 10 grams to get what felt like anything out of it. <laughs> now you, but you wanted fast results. You, you, don't, you didn't have the time that I maybe, and maybe, look, maybe I should have, see when I first started, all I really knew was microdosing and I did a lot of research and, and everybody was talking about microdosing helps these, you know, mental issues like depression, anxiety, PTSD, um, all those things. But nobody, back then, nobody really said to me, Dave, if you take a larger dose it's gonna, it's gonna help you quicker and maybe even more uh, powerfully or profoundly, maybe. So I didn't know about that, so I went with yeah. the microdosing route. I would have no problem these days going with the um, larger, but okay, I gotta ask you, what did, I don't, I don't know if we talked about this later. And by the way, um, Tennyson, thanks so much for coming back. I really appreciate you being here. Really, you're a really totally. cool guy to talk to. Really, really, I love your energy. But um, you gotta tell me, what did the five, and, five to 10 grams of psilocybin well, it's five to ten grams of mushrooms. Actually, yeah, it's not five right. to ten grams. So, <laughs> yeah. That would be a lot of salt. <laughs> they say that I think um, the dried mushrooms have about ten percent of that is actually by weight is actually psilocybin. So, in other words, if you do um, uh, five grams of dried mushrooms, you're getting about fifty gram, fifty fifty milligrams of psilocybin, which makes makes sense. I think I think mm. it's about right. Um, what did it feel like? What did five to ten grams feel like to you? Well. It's, it's tough to explain because you have to kind of create a new vocabulary around the types of experiences that you um, sort of break into with that level of what I would say perceptual filter removal. Um, the psilocin kind of effect on the brain is that it downregulates activity in your prefrontal cortex. Um, which is what generates your personality and all of your egoic kind of um, conditioning that causes you to snapshot reality and interpret it unconsciously. And so mm. when that's not really happening and it gets, it seems to not happen to greater and greater extents, the larger dose you take, or depending on the individual, you could do it with one gram. Um, but so all that being said, and there's a huge variety of experiences, I think the, what I notice is that whatever is kind of most important to me in, in life, um, conceptually will on a mental level. And I'm really uh, not like a lot of people in how I experience mushrooms. It's all very body sensations and conceptual insight. And I don't really get a lot of hallucinations. Even, so, on t even on 10 grams, you're saying? Yeah, like... Even on 10. Yeah, on 10 grams, um, I will see everything with a level of vividness and um, spatial... Um, it's, it's almost as if prior to that experience, I had never actually seen life in anything but 2D with the mm. saturation turned down. Mm. And then as your filters turn off, because your brain doesn't necessarily update what you're seeing every moment. It takes a snapshot and then it, it feeds you that snapshot until you focus on something and then that signals to your brain that it's relevant enough to update the image. And so a lot of what we experience, it could be from 10 seconds, two minutes ago, and we just don't realize it because we're not focused on it. And so uh, my uh, assumption here is that with the higher doses of mushrooms, 
you're getting everything fed to you in real time updating vividness um, without any perceptual filters on it. And so there are experiences that people um, often, I think everybody says this, it feels realer than real. And it right. looks realer than real. Right. And you... But you, on 10, 10 grams, can you, you can... Could you function in everyday life, or are you pretty much laying down with with like I I I mask on or something? You know, it depends. I mean, (laughs) I did it the the two times I've done it that high of a a dose. Once was with an eye mask on and headphones, and I actually Mm. noticed I didn't feel like I was tripping until I took the mask off. That's no, that's really interesting. Yeah, I don't know why. And it and when you took (laughs) when you took the mask off, okay, you're laying back there with um, headphones and the eye mask, Mm -hmm. ten grams. But when you took the mask off, what was the difference? What, what, did, what did it feel like to you then? Well, I think, I think the visual cue from taking the mask off kind of alerted my conscious experience to the fact that I was tripping. Prior to that, and I've done so many mushroom journeys <laughs> that <laughs> maybe I'm just really used to it. And so my body that adapts be. really yeah. quickly. Because How many have you done about? What'd you say? Um, 10, 100? Uh, probably around 100. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, How often, by the way, do you journey, um, roughly? I would say at least, well, on average over the last year, it's probably been at least once a month. But I've gone six months without, um, then I was doing it once a week. And it, it just kind of depends on where I'm at in life mm-hmm. and the amount of time I have available to commit to something like that and, you know, the prep and the doing the thing and then having a time to recover. Well, tell me, okay, that's really, tell me about the prep a little bit. Tell me, wait, wait, like, you know, there's, you decide, okay, I'm going to trip tomorrow. Like, yeah. Why do you decide tomorrow and what kind of prep do you have to do to get ready for that? And also, and also afterwards. Yeah. So I think, uh, there's two scenarios where the decision makes sense. One, if it's, uh, like I want to do it in kind of a party scenario. Okay. Uh, okay. If we're going to dance at a, okay. a concert or something. Yeah. Um, so you will. So you will do it to party, and you'll take five to ten grams to go to a party or a concert. No, I'll. Uh, that that would be closer to two to three. Okay. Two to four. Okay. okay. Yeah. yeah. That makes sense. Uh, and it's it's like uh, if we were going to go to Pink Floyd, you know, and and hang out on the lawn, and like that would be a good scenario. <laughs> um, right. Okay. And totally. You it, you kind of feel comfortable enough and able to handle the day in an altered state, and it's not necessarily something I do that often. That's just one thing that would cause me to go. Let's do it. The other okay. one, and this has been the bulk of my um, reason for journeying, which is um, personal healing mm-hmm. or spiritual pursuit. Um, and so the opportunities that will arise that will trigger that idea to do it will usually be days where there's just nothing going on and I have no commitments and there's not really anything outside that's calling um, mm-hmm. to me. And so would you wake up first thing in the morning and say, hey, I don't really have a lot to do today. Today's a perfect day. Or do you maybe think about it the day before and say tomorrow yeah. is maybe the ideal day? Um, I think, yeah, between a day and a week before. Oh, okay. Oh. Sometimes, you know, I'll, I'll have to plan it out in a month in advance because like the, the <laughs> most recent 10-gram one, it took me two months to find the day to where I could do it um, because set and setting are super important. Yes. And not just to, like, uh, guarantee that you're going to have a, a good and safe time. I think there's subtler levels to that where you can really influence um, how deep you'll go into the experience and how focused you'll be able to stay on it if you know you've prepared things in a way 
to where your environment is safe and secure and comfortable. And then beyond that, um, aesthetically beautiful and uh, set up so that anything that you may need to do, like use the restroom mm. or eat or drink or get music or, or write something down, it's all available to mm. you in a way that you don't have to use critical thinking to make it happen because <laughs> that's so left brain and mushrooms pull you so into right brain uh, um, and if you're able to really uh, focus on the uh, kind of the newness of that type of experience through the whole trip then you can continue to go deeper um, into where it takes you which I realize I haven't really described much beyond the extreme vividness of your sensory experience which includes the experience the tactile experience of your body the uh, way that you'll be able to almost just be so much more intimate with everything like sound especially you can um, almost experience a deeper richness of music to where prior to that you were only getting the shell and you take off the wrapper and you dive in and suddenly you realize oh this is filled with you know layers and sensations and well can i can i share something since you said that can yeah. i share something that ha- just happened last night and last it was on a um it was on a microdose um or actually there might have been a little also a little thc involved but it was not a lot of anything but i think maybe the combination but um you're, you might be too young for this but i don't know do you uh, <laughs> remember that the, there's an old album uh, called tommy by the who it's a rock opera it's like one of the first rock up op- it, it was from the uh, I think early 70s, or early 70s, maybe late 60s, or yeah. around there. It was a long time ago, a long time ago. I think I've listened to that album, but I don't remember you, what well, it sounds like. You sh- First of all, you should. You <laughs> definitely should. Yeah. But um, I, still have, I still have the vinyl. And so I put this on my turntable last night, Tommy by the Who. And first of all, thinking, okay, it's, the music started. And um, I had these... Th- thoughts and visions that it's hard for me to explain but let me try you're gonna i think you're gonna totally understand what i'm yeah, saying totally oh yeah. this vinyl this this physical vinyl that's on the turntable has been with me for many 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 decades and that vinyl has been with me to college to summer camp when i was <laughs> a counselor to my old house and here i am playing this now and i'm just i had these not even visions but deep inner feelings of there's something sacred about this actual vinyl mm-hmm. and like the music was flowing out of the vinyl I mean I could have streamed it I could have streamed it from Spotify but I chose to put it on vinyl yeah. only because like I felt this unbelievable connection to this vinyl that was playing the who Tommy the who now when the music came on and I was listening to certain songs that can I heard things that I've never heard before like you just I mean you know like this deepness and these and even some vocal things that I've just, and instrumentation I've just never noticed before. Never. And I, I absolutely attribute it to mushrooms. Totally. No question about it. And, and I started thinking to myself, these guys, the Who, absolutely recorded this for for the purpose of people hearing these deep things if they're tripping or something. Oh, yeah. There's no question. Yeah. No question at all. Yep. Yeah. Pink Floyd has been Pink Floyd. All, oh, yeah. when I put on... Um, <laughs> And again, this is with maybe just a microdose or a little bit of a larger dose. But when I put on Pink Floyd, Dark Side of the Moon, and I probably put it on vinyl also, like a few mm-hmm. months ago, I literally said to myself, 
this is unbelievable. And again, I've, I've been listening to that album for decades, many more decades than you can imagine. <laughs> but, um, when, but I heard things and I figured out things that I've never noticed before. It, it was just absolutely unbelievable. And I, I think I even sent an email to my brother. I said something. I just heard Dark Side of the Moon on a level that I've never heard it before. <laughs> and I don't think he could understand because he doesn't do this. So. I don't even know. He might be able to understand on some level, but not fully. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I would guess that it has something to do with the, um, the openness mechanically that one experiences when they've got a psilocybin. More or less putting your brain back into a state of plasticity and um, from spotlight, spotlight to lantern awareness like a little kid is and so you're able to absorb and perceive things with such fresh eyes and ears but then at the same time you've got this uh, mind you've developed over the years that can really understand and integrate and cognize things and you've got all of this experience to use to appreciate that stuff but then in the state of openness and man there's just nothing like it well this vinyl last night when i was listening to the i mean it took me back to this is really weird, but I, I was sitting on my sofa just listening to this vinyl, and it took me back to college. Like, I'm in bed with this girl, Kim Chucker, and we're listening to Tommy the Who, and I'm, I don't even want to tell you. I'm not even going to go into detail, but it, it, it really felt like like I was in these places in the past. Mm -hmm. if that makes. I know oh, yeah. that. I know that makes sense oh, to yeah, you. Yeah. I, it, <laughs> I know that makes. But it was, it was like an unbelievable experience. And this was on. But again, it was on very little. It wasn't on four grams. It wasn't on eight grams, 10 grams. It was on very little, but I think also that I said before in some of my videos that, um, I found, I don't know. And I don't know if we've talked about this before, but I found when I combine a little bit of psilocybin with a little bit of THC, mm. it just like, it's, it's like a full, it's like a trip. It's like totally. an actual trip. Yeah. I, um, I think the most powerful experience I've ever had on mushrooms was on one gram. Um, and now it that's was interesting. It was, it was the kind of the same thing where I got taken back into my memories and um, I think I had taken something else with it, maybe a little THC. Mm -hmm. And um, it was such a beautiful thing where at first <laughs> I, <laughs> I was uh, experiencing all these memories so vividly that I had never thought back to before. And I remember asking um, the experience to take me deeper and deeper. And yes. Deeper. Yes. I totally get that. Yes. <laughs> and, and it did. And I went all the way back to when I was maybe seven or eight years old. And I, I, it was this moment of memory with my entire family. We were all hanging out. It was just before bed and everybody was just kind of hanging out together. And I think I was playing the game boy or something. And it was so peaceful and perfect and everything that one could want. And that was what struck me was that may have been my a core memory of happiness. And then the second I had that realization, it shattered into a million pieces in the distance of time between then and now. And I saw where all the pieces of that moment had fragmented to and everything was so much more difficult and painful and separated from that happiness. And then it cascaded into this um, almost as if it's so hard to explain, but it was as if I went way back to the earliest memories I have 
of interacting with everybody. And then it came back from then forward. Whoa. And I was experiencing, as if it was all sound waves, the echoes of what I could only label as trauma that everybody had embedded in them that influenced the way they treated each other. And if they treated each other with that, it would echo out and imprint in that person. And I was experiencing the visceral experience of that pure trauma. And it was as if every interaction I had ever had all the way through my life of this echoing pain. And then it went on forever and it was excruciating and miserable. And I got to this point of feeling like there, there shouldn't be a reason <laughs> that anything exists because it was so bad. And then oh. by the time I reached the end of that, um, it was as if, you know, it, it all got drummed up for me to experience and see and flow through me. And it felt like it was all of my traumatic moments that I had held on to accidentally flooding out. Yes, yes. And when it all settled, um, I mean, my God, it was so, so peaceful. And my capacity to, I think, just automatically feel compassion for people was you know stretched to whatever mm -hmm. lengths all of that was occupying beforehand um and so it was it was such a crazy thing because it was such a tiny amount of mushrooms it was such a deep and the worst experience i've ever had in my life and then immediately after one of the greatest things that's that has ever happened to me um which sometimes i i hesitate to talk about because I don't want to give people this impression that they're at risk of those kinds of experiences when they take mushrooms. Um, not that you know you can necessarily plan for it to not happen or to happen. Right. But I think that um, there's a, a a real and stable level of negotiation that can go on between the individual and the medicine they're taking when it's a psychedelic. Um, and Are you saying you can you you have some some level of control over where they take you? Do you think? Yeah, I've yeah. always felt like I can always opt out, and I have before. Yeah. Only oh. once, I was um, in the bath, and I mm -hmm. was it, it was coming on, and I had the lights off, and suddenly sounds perfect to me. <laughs> it was it was a <laughs> great idea great. at the time, and then everything, which has never happened before or since, everything started turning into tarantula legs. And it, they all started creeping in oh. to my vision and my tactile experience. And I said, no, <laughs> it all receded. And then I had a nice time. And it wasn't oh. like, a, it wasn't like a no of like, please no, and trying to avoid it. It was just a, um, it's hard to explain, but it was as if I kind of embodied the one who knows that they are the authority of their experience. And I just kind of told it like, we're not gonna do this. I'm not here for this kind of thing. And it's not that I'm afraid of it, right. but this is so far away from my preference of how to right. experience whatever's going on. And so it's a, I feel like it's kind of a tricky thing where you have to really like stare at the thing you're afraid of and let it know instead of try to push it That's away right. that it's, in, it's passing a boundary and, and you want that boundary to be respected. Um, so in other words, you're you're the one that's in control, not the tarantula or whatever it might be. You're the one. That, yeah. You're the one that's in control. You're saying. Yeah, and I, I think that control is developed in part through investigating the unconscious parts of yourself that are operating that 
sometimes spin you out of control because you're not aware of something embedded in your psychology that maybe is related to conditioning or a trauma or a, a perception that kind of forces you into a groove. And so you gain a lot of flexibility as you go and courageously investigate why you think the way you think and what assumptions shape your worldview and, the, and why you react to things. And that is, I think, the biggest benefit of the difficult trips is that what they're really showing you, in my opinion, are the, um, I would say, unskillful perceptions and habits you've created and only unskillful, you know, now, in the moment of making it, it was the best you could do. Uh, and then that changes. So suppose you're on one of your heavy duty journey, five grams or plus, five grams plus, or even, even the one gram that you said was maybe the most intense one you ever had. Um, so let's just paint the scenario, your home, you might have, uh, the, you know, the eye shades on, you might not, you might have, but then the, um, the doorbell rings and it's like a, a UPS delivery or Amazon's at your door. Yeah. Can you, can you selectively come out of your trip to deal with something like that and then, and then go back into it? Yeah. Yeah. I think so. Um, I think the biggest challenge is that I don't know how weird I am to the other person. Right. And I, and so there's chances a, are not weird. Yeah. Ch chances are not weird. It at turns all. out we're all pretty weird <laughs> <laughs> and people just kind of roll with it. Whatever they see you as they're going to, unless they've got a, a preconceived idea of what's right for you, They'll just yeah. say this is them. Exactly. And that's great. They're not thinking. That's right. They're not, they're not thinking <laughs> yeah. anything else. That's exactly right. Yeah, yeah. So I'll, I'll put glasses on in case my pupils are dilated, so I don't freak them out. But <laughs> sometimes, and again, some of this might involve some THC as well. But I'll, I will get into a conversation with somebody, and I swear, I, I later I think they probably thought I am some kind of total imbecile and like was I making was I was I even making sense of, but but I think I probably was but I don't think I was yeah that, you yeah know, it, oh it's unbelievable I almost don't smoke or consume THC at all anymore around other people because I right. it's almost as if I kind of have a theory that THC can give you such a powerful mirror of introspection that you're only able to compare yourself to yourself. And so you don't know how to judge how kind of in tune you are with the person you're saying something to, <laughs> unless you're coincidentally just really like vibing together. And so suddenly everything is cast into this extremely rational and almost absolute sense of doubt. <laughs> At least that's how I experience it, where I just, I have lost the capacity to have confidence in my assumptions. <laughs> so, um, okay, I get asked this a lot, and sometimes I can't really put it into words, but maybe you can. What, what, somebody says, okay, what is the difference between using cannabis and using a psychedelic, like, like psilocybin? Like, what, uh -huh. how, do you, how do you feel on each, and what's, what's the big difference? Aren't they similar? What, how would you answer that? I think that um, cannabis is cannabis is tricky because when I first started using it, it was to act as a suppressant so that I didn't have to feel the sharpness of the pain of things that were going on in my life that were debilitating. But then it reached the point where the cannabis as a numbing agent was debilitating. And I feel like uh, mm. if I were to look at it from like a neurochemical level, 
Uh, my guess is that it's giving your body so much dopamine and so much um, relaxation that you don't feel the need to do anything to reach satisfaction anymore. It's too satisfying. And we uh, mistakenly think that we want to exist in an uninterrupted state of satisfaction, but it turns out we don't want to do anything when it's like that. Or I'll speak for myself. Um, well, you just want to eat a bag of Oreo cookies. Exactly, whatever will do. keep the dopamine levels uh, high. Oh, that's that's what it um, is. <laughs> and it just, uh, you, I, I personally, I'll, I'll speak for myself, I lose my sharpness, I lose mm -hmm. my edge, mm -hmm. I lose my motivation. And that's a really healthy thing, I think, if you have unhealthy motivations and your edges are too sharp or you use them to cut things up that don't want to be cut. Um, and, and so you can't, it, it, you can't be overwhelmed by it the way you are overwhelmed by psychedelics that like mushrooms and LSD, uh, you could even say MDMA is technically a psychedelic. Mm. And they overwhelm you and at the same time they give you clarity and they give you sharpness and they almost force you to be more of yourself without resistance. Um, whereas cannabis kind of lets you feel comfortable with wherever you're at and wherever you choose to venture out to be, but you're doing it with a lot of padding. And so I think that it's definitely different for everyone. I've had psychedelic experiences that were like mushrooms while I was on THC alone. Um, but I, oh, okay, okay. I notice it's more... Was that from smoking or edibles? Because I've... Smoking. I, okay, because I've never had... Smoking... We might have talked a little bit about this last time, but smoking, to me, first of all, I don't even love smoke anymore. I was in college, it's a different story. I mean, I smoked so much weed, but, <laughs> but I like, for, I don't like, inhale, I just don't like bringing a, um, a combust, combustible, combust, what's the word I'm looking for? Combustible uh, substance into my lungs. I don't really want that. Mm, and yeah. and I, oh, but not only that, but I find, I find the edibles are, are um, much stronger much like no, for me no comparison yeah it's it, the edibles are more like a little bit closer to a psychedelic experience i think i agree with that and i think well what i like about edibles and it, this works with both thc and edibles and maybe this is something that it does provide that i think is in the same category of benefit as other psychedelics and that it's it it pulls your attention back into your body in a way like i had this experience once where it felt as if my mind, which prior to that was only right here, it was like the bubble, like a soap bubble went bloop, and it, it included the rest of my body. And it was like, oh, <laughs> I can inhabit my entire body as myself. And then I began to intuitively be able to um, move my body in ways that were more correct and more comfortable and uh, more efficient and more graceful. And I think cannabis helps a lot with that because your whole body feels so comfortable and pleasurable to inhabit mentally that you kind of sync back up with it and your body and mind are able to really, I think they're one thing. And so to have a, an artificial division between those, right. which I did for a lot of my life, creates a lot of uh, unnecessary awkwardness in how we move and how we are as animals, because we're still animals. We are still animals, <laughs> no question about that. I was gonna ask you something about, um, oh, 
what would you see? I can't really speak to this because I've never done like a, a high dose of um, mushrooms yet. Like the yet, yet. Because it's in my it's in my near future. Oh, but yeah. have, I, you know, you know. <laughs> but but um, out of the two, what would you say you can functional and like functional and better a, a relatively high dose of cannabis or a relatively high dose of, of mushrooms totally mushrooms that's i was gonna see i was gonna say the same thing is when when i use cannabis let's say i eat a, um a, a 20 a 20 um milligram edible of 20 milligrams of thc i can't i really can't function i mean i i could not i could not go out and drive i wouldn't that would be stupid i wouldn't yeah. do that um i don't know if we'd be able to have this conversation right now no because way, I, I, yeah. i'd be saying things that probably would make be making we'd be making no sense and i'd be rambling on and on but maybe i'm doing that anyway <laughs> but um i'd be i'd be rambling I, i noticed one thing when i when i use cannabis and somebody asked me a question my answer at least it seems to me at the time my answer is like is like 30 minutes long <laughs> when it maybe it's really not but and yeah. then and then after i give the answer i think did i just talk for like 30 minutes to, to give somebody an answer and then what are they thinking of me? but <laughs> yeah. but at least i can speak to um mushrooms and although i've never done a uh, you know a large heroic type dose i've done you know one to two grams mm -hmm. and um i i felt i could i was I had clarity. I could absolutely carry on a conversation with somebody. I could get things done if I wanted to. Whereas on on the cannabis, I really couldn't do that. Yeah, I, it's, cannabis is like more. I guess if the right word is like more intoxicating. If that's if that's right, I um, think so. Yeah, it's um, it again. I think that cannabis provides um, a buffer to make who you're currently being more comfortable. Um, but things like mushrooms and i would extend that to lsd mm. and especially ayahuasca i've had my mm. most oh tell um, me about tell, yeah, tell me about that one a little oh bit, okay ayahuasca. yeah or maybe we could even do that on a briefly uh, but we could maybe do yeah I, yeah so those ones make you so much more of yourself you almost don't know what to do with it but the thing that's special to me about ayahuasca and it was what originally drew me to it because i had an awareness of It's an all-night ordeal. Right. And you'll feel sick and you'll throw up. And yeah. Did it, you did you do any? Or did you do all that sick throw up? Did you do? I, uh, I so I've done it a, a number of times. Okay. And it it quickly got to the point where I wasn't throwing up. Oh, okay. In fact, I had one really cool experience where I felt the nausea. I felt the the sensation of uh, like an energetic vomit, and I had to do the full experience of vomiting, but nothing came out but I felt the nausea pass through and out of me. Oh. So I always try to, uh, I guess, temper people's expectations with ayahuasca that yes, there are these purgative aspects to it, but you don't have to. There are ways, there are other ways to process what you're purging. And sometimes you won't feel nausea the whole night, um, which I've I've once sat and nobody the entire night felt sick or threw up the whole time. So when you when you're doing ayahuasca, I take is it like in ceremony with a shaman? Yeah, usually? yeah. I've only ever done it in that context, okay. and I think you almost kind of have to. That's, that's what I think. Unless too. you're like a really um, entrepreneurial psychonaut and you want to go it alone. Um, I, you know, there are people I know who do that and gain a lot from it. But, but is I, it like super, super intense, like much more intense than, than a mushroom? It can journey? be. So it's, it's so interesting because I've had experiences where I did not feel anything the entire night, except for one half a second where I spontaneously, I don't even know what bloomed into some incredible ecstatic experience. And then just as quickly came out 
and that was all I felt the whole night. Um, or I've had other nights where I was just, <laughs> the only way I can explain it is I was drenched in the sensation of eternity. And I just knew that's what it was. And it was so royal and infinitely deep and rich. It was as if I didn't understand what anything meant. And even with all my prior experience of psychedelics until that moment, because I was able to somehow connect to it from this context of the infinite. And I knew what that meant in that moment. And it was, that was the first time I ever took it. And it was the most unbelievably um, life-changing in a, I think, kind of grounded way in that I didn't come out of it with any grand concept of, you know, wow, mushrooms, you guys got uh, the, the hallucinations, the this or that. It's hard to explain, but it felt sacred. And it, I came out of that experience with um, more of a desire to like keep it sacred instead of excitedly tell everyone about it or try to um, do anything with it. But um, anyway, so to kind of cap that all off, I was drawn to ayahuasca because I heard that people who were taking it regularly became incredible musicians very quickly. One of my favorite bands, it turns out, uh, Glass Animals, they are big into ayahuasca <coughs> and they have some of the best music oh. I have ever heard. And it's super unique really? and it just feels great. Um, and so I went to open up my uh, creative capacity to some you know further extent and it it totally worked i in that same what do you play set, i don't really play anything i learned piano as a okay, kid okay okay and i've since picked it back up and i've got a few piano songs that i'll play in ayahuasca ceremonies that are really really awesome uh, i've started playing guitar the flute the jaw harp oh, uh, yeah. The yeah yeah, yeah no, exactly with sure, sure uh the hand pan um uh, the thing that really opened up for me was poetry <coughs> I have written hundreds of poems since last year when I started doing that, um, kind of as a result of and for, uh, to share during and after ayahuasca ceremonies. Uh, When's your next one? You have anything coming up? Uh, not really. Yeah. I've, it, we were, um, and can you choose the, can you choose the amount of ayahuasca? Can you say yes. to them, like, I want... I want a lot or just let me just do a little bit you can you can do uh -huh. that yeah oh, they, they'll, okay. and they'll even kind of read where you're at oh, okay. and recommend oh. and every hour or so or maybe two hours they'll say you know come up for your second or third or fourth cup oh i didn't know that's how it works you can keep you can keep like kind yeah. of taking yeah. more oh okay. and it, it depends on the person facilitating it too mm -hmm. i suppose but um yeah and so it's um there's some studies I've recently found about DMT that show that shortly or during and shortly after ingestion of DMT, which is the active substance in ayahuasca, your um, neuroplasticity and neurogenesis to some very significant extent are um, turned back on. And so I think that's what's happening in part with this ability to become more creative more easily is that and I think this is kind of what all of these different psychedelics do is they pull you back into that, you know, pre seven year old state of mind where your body and mind are able to absorb and assimilate information in ways that are far more coherent than once you've got really fixed mental structures of how you are and how life is. 
Um, and it's cool because I think it just kind of breaks down the old paradigm that we can't change, that we're old dogs that can't learn new tricks. And it turns out we are never, um, I think, excluded from those childlike capacities to live with wonder and to learn and grow into new talents um, and to change who we are for the better. Maybe this is finally my chance to, you met my wife at the at Brighton, um, she's Japanese, and this and I've dabbled in Japanese for the, since I've known her for close to 20 years, but I cannot speak Japanese fluently, but maybe this is, maybe this is my chance now to expand my mind and to, and to like immerse myself in Japanese and, and really learn it. I'm, totally, I'm being serious. I totally believe that. Yeah. yeah. If your, your ability to just intuitively and in huge blocks of information connect dots and just grok it or just get it, um, especially with complex systems like language, um, I think it is the perfect way to learn. Um, I'm in. I'm in. <laughs> I, I actually, it's funny. I've had a, I've had it. I mean, this is just dreams, right? But I've had dreams where I, well, one dream in particular where I was in Japan, I was speaking Japanese. They were speaking Japanese to me. One part of me knew I don't know Japanese. The other part of me knew this is Japanese and we are speaking it. And it reminds me of people that have woken up from comas yeah, spontaneously yeah. knowing a completely different language they've never heard before. I have heard like waking up from being able to just sit down at a piano and play a piano yeah. and they've never played before or something like that. Yeah. And oh. I think there's something to these mind expanding experiences, whether it's a coma or a dream or a psychedelic right, right. that hooks us back into these fields of information. I don't know, but uh, I, I believe that with languages. I learned Spanish. Uh, in my early 20s and I started learning French and my ability to comprehend what it means to speak another language as your own was so wonderfully expanded by those types of experiences. Mm -hmm. And you know, they talk about how you don't really know your own language until you learn another. And I, I think that applies really well to psychedelics where you don't really understand yourself until you're able to sort of unbecome yourself for a moment and and be this altered state of perspective and witness yourself and then it just kind of opens up your conscious awareness to what's going on and why um well, you just reminded me of one thing let's talk about one more thing and then we'll end it for today but i yeah. definitely want to continue the conversation because i got some ideas i've already come up with some ideas i want to talk to you about <laughs> cool. next time yeah if that's all right we can meet like right back uh, here well, but we but could do a weekly episode we, we, you know, yeah. you, i'm in i'm in we really I mean, this so i wanted to ask you um and i probably should ask you this a little bit earlier so if this needs to go you know continue on the next episode that's yeah. fine um tell me about ego death have you, have you experienced it? What does it feel like? How do you know you're experiencing ego death? Oh man, I don't know if I'm the right person to answer that question because I, I am sure I've experienced it. I've had. Well, I, I would think at ten grams you've experienced it. I would think, <laughs> or even or even the one gram trip in the bathtub. I would think that you probably oh yeah probably experienced it. Yeah, I feel like maybe there's two ways that I would describe ego death and. Um, so, because it's funny, I guess this is a good thing. I don't really have the classic or traditional definition on hand to draw from. So my version of ego death would be um, seeing 
So I guess there's one side of it where I'll see a bunch of things about myself where it's like, damn, I kind of really sucked in these areas of life and I just have to own up to that. And there, and it, and all of those areas are things that I have been in conscious or unconscious denial about. And so I see all these hidden parts of myself and so then they get included into my whole self. And then there's, as long as I can maintain kind of a benign acceptance of that's just how it is and that's okay. Um, I like this idea of like the whole is greater than all the parts. When the parts are able to be together in harmony where it's like, I'm made of all these cells, right? And organs and these systems come together and that creates the thing that can happen that I call Tennyson and it, I'm able to do these things that are so much more than all the collective functions of my body. Um, and so there's like this transcendent kind of clicking up and out that um, makes it undeniable that there is something more that I am a, an intimate part of that goes beyond my body and my mind and my understanding of the world. And, um, and then there's the other side of it where I think <laughs> you just, you get so overwhelmed by information and by um, direct perceptual um, seeing of what everything is and how completely connected it is, that your body kind of loses the ability to convince itself that the ego is the only thing that you are fundamentally. And so it kind of just lets it turn off mm. for a little while, right. which to that process of mind feels like death or maybe like an orgasmic, you know, transcended something. And again, you click out. Um, and so I don't know really how to give it a, a well-defined label. Yeah, well, that's and okay. And maybe you don't need to, maybe you don't need to really give I it a label. I think it's better not to. Yeah. Because yeah. once your ego knows what ego death is, it will take ownership yeah. of that's, any you know, experience that, yeah. and then it will kind of grab it before it can happen. <laughs> See, I don't know. I don't, I wouldn't say this was actually ego death that I experienced, but, um, a couple of months ago we went to a, um, sound bath. Have you been to a sound bath? Yes. Um, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. That, They're awesome. Unbelievable. Yeah. But I, so before the sound bath, um, I used a little bit of, uh, cannabis and probably a microdose, maybe even a little bit of a large microdose. So nothing large, but, um, I'm laying there in the sound bath and I had this experience and it wasn't, um, it wasn't unpleasant at all. It was actually, it w just wasn't anything. I, I didn't really know if I was living or not. Mm. It, I, I was just laying there, listening to the music, but I didn't really know anything past that, and I, I couldn't tell you if I was alive. Yeah, but, I, but that was, sounds like it was an not ego scary. Death to me. Yeah, but yeah, but I always thought of ego deaths taking place on like these heroic doses, like very large doses. But this yeah. was not a large dose, but it was a combination dose, which I still maintain can be very strong if you use yeah. them both together. And so. Yeah, and it happened to me twice. It happened to me once, maybe a few weeks before that. I, I remember I was listening to music on my sofa at home, and I got to the point where I didn't really know if I was living. I was just, I was, but it was, again, it wasn't scary at all. Yeah. It was, it was really, and then it happened to me again at the sound bath. Yeah. Um, I haven't been able to really repeat that, nor did I really try to necessarily repeat it, but it was, yeah. it was, um, 
very interesting experience. That's cool. I yeah. think I would totally call that an ego death. I, I think feel, so. I feel like if you're in a state of non-resistance, it can't be scary. It's the resistance nope. that creates the difficulty. Ooh, very true. And I guess now that I think about it, I would say an ego death could be categorized as simply when you are not you, as you have known yourself to be. In a moment where you exactly just right. don't know, yeah. for example, that's, I think that's And it. that's what I was too. That's, that's, so that's, yeah. that's, I love it. Let's, let's, I think we need to stop it now <laughs> because we can, yeah. let's face we can keep going for hours and hours yeah. and hours, but it gives us good reason to say, let's meet here again next week or, and, um, and do it again because, um, this is, this is great. And I think we're, there's just a lot of good information that comes out of just a, an informal conversation. Like nothing scripted. We just, when we first turned this on, I said, I'm going to click, I'm going to press record. We didn't even know what we were going to talk about. Yeah. But look what came out of this. I think it's not only interesting to us, but help, probably helpful to a lot of people out there. I hope so. I think yeah, so. Um, I'm going to put all your information in the description of the show here. So whether you're listening to the audio or watching us on video, you got to watch it on video. you got to see what Tennyson looks like, of course. <laughs> you know what I look like. See what Tennyson looks like. Um, so, and they're both uh, YouTube and um, and Apple, Apple Podcasts. They're both called Microdose U. You can find, it's very easy to find. But the description in the description of the video and the audio podcast, I'm going to go ahead and, and give all your information, anything you know, as far as like your tell tell us one more time your your actual what the business name is called. Again. So it's Magic Mogu M O G U, which is Chinese for mushroom. Love that. Love <laughs> uh, that. Mostly because a lot of the mushrooms I use in my products are Chinese mushrooms, and um, I also think it's a good idea to get our culture a little more familiar with the the idea of magic mushrooms and in a context that's not so stuck in what it's been to people in the past where it can really be something um, comfortable and gentle and, and a um, viable medicine. I've been watching uh, and I'm, I'm like almost finished now. It's four episodes. Um, Michael Pollan's um, thing on Netflix oh. about uh, how to change your mind. I don't know if you read the book or seen the Netflix. I read or... the book and I just started the show. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I, you know, it's. I think the first episode is um, LSD. Second is psilocybin. Third, MDMA. I've seen all those, and I still need to watch the fourth, which is on um, uh, mescaline. Oh. So, cool. so that should. So, I was the next time we come back. I, I'd love to know more about. Um, do you have experience with MDMA? Yes. Okay, I'd love yeah. to know more about that. It seems it seems really really interesting. Oh yeah. And I'd like to know I'd like to actually know a little bit more about LSD and, and maybe we can even get to um, mescaline, which I know I know very little about, but it yeah. sounds like that's something that's that could be promising as well. And I think I have a feeling you're a wealth of knowledge. With, <laughs> why do I think you're a wealth of knowledge? With all? <laughs> I've. Uh... <laughs> I'm glad we met because. <laughs> yeah. You, you know, you're obviously very well versed on not only not only mushrooms, but um, different yeah. types of uh, plant medicine. Out well, this there. is cool because I've never really gotten to talk to anybody about it before. So this is yeah. like a dream come true for me. And and I um, same for me. It's it's a win win, as they say, because it's yeah. it's great to have these talks and turn the turning the camera on and sharing with other people all over the world is a cool thing too. Yeah. Thanks, man. Uh, see you. We'll, see, we'll do it again soon. We'll see totally. you next time. Promise. Yeah. Okay. Talk to you later. Remember, <laughs> right, uh, just check in the description for all of Tennyson's information. And um, he's a guy you want to you want to hang out with and be in touch with, even even if it's just virtually. 
Yes, I emails are great. By the oh, way, a cool. couple of people have reached out to me. Oh, fantastic! I can, Good. I can respond to emails more easily than anything else. Okay, and just say your email address here. I'll put it in the description, but just say it. Say it yeah, anyway. So it's Tennyson at magicmogu.com, and it's T E N N Y S O N at magicmogu.com. Perfect. See you next time, man. Okay. Thank you. See y'all later. Hey, it's Dr. Dave coming back to you after the show. I really appreciate you being here. And if you could just do me one little favor before you go, it'll take you about 30 seconds of your time. Go onto your podcast platform and give us a rating and a review. Um, It takes just a little bit of your time, and it really, really will help the show immensely. I'm trying to get the word out to people all over the world because so many people are struggling and they need help, and this is the way they're going to find out about us. So take a little bit of your time. Do it for us. I really appreciate you you. Thanks so much.